You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Top Podcast. I'm your host, Jason. This your host, Danny. Fans, whew, we got a fire show for you today. A little bit about the NFL, preview of our teams, and then ultimately we have some breaking news from the NBA, a uh, little HBCU talk, and we'll go into tennis. But first, Danny, right into the NFL and where the season is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. It's right around the corner, and... Oh, boy, the Green Bay Packers and the Atlanta Falcons has very interesting schedules. Uh, and yeah. so we wanted to kind of preview what I, what we think our teams are going to do here, provide you our records of this 17-game season. Packers against the Vikings opening day on Sunday, September the 11th, and they're playing at the Vikings. The Packers are going to split this season series and I think they're going to start off with an L here. I think the Vikings are going to win in Minnesota. The Bears, I'm not worried about. Uh, the Packers will win that. Packers against the Buccaneers. Uh, by this time, the receiving core would be used to Aaron Rodgers and vice versa. I'm going to pick the Packers to win against the Buccaneers, man. Two and one so far for the Packers. Patriots at the Packers, I'm going Packers. Giants at the Packers, I'm going Packers. Uh, that puts them at uh, right now about four and one. Uh, Jets at the Packers going Packers five and one. Packers at the Commanders. I'm going Washington Commanders here, man. I think there's going to be a, a slippage here. Um, so that's two losses. Packers against the Bills, October 30th. I'm going Bills. Going Bills here, so that's three losses. Packers against the Lions. I too think that they're going to split against the Lions here as well. Um, this one, uh, I'm just going to say that the Packers are going to lose um, four losses. Cowboys at the Packers. I'm going Packers. Titans against the Packers. I'm going Packers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Packers against the Eagles. Packers. Packers against the Bears. That's another win. Uh, Rams at the Packers. Uh, Rams is going to win. Uh, the Packers are going to take the L on that one. High on the Rams, man. Not because they're defending champs, but that defense is wicked. Mm-hmm. So that's five losses right now for the Packers. Packers against the Dolphins. That's on Christmas night. Or excuse me, Christmas afternoon. 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Start time. Man, I think the Packers are going to lose, man. This man, you down in Miami. It's the <laughs> holidays. These guys going to be on the beach. <laughs> Drink's gonna be flowing. <laughs> Come on, man. Y'all know what time it is, man. Vikings at the Packers, New Year's Day. I'm going Packers because uh, again, I said it's split. Uh, and Lions at the Packers. Again, I said it's split. So I see the Packers possibly losing five games here, five, six games. Uh going, I'm going with a 12 and 5 record here for the Packers, maybe uh, 11 and 6. What say you, Danny, about your Falcons? So, Jason, we open up against the Aints on September 11th. And 
it's gonna be it's it's hard, man, with the Falcons because they show a couple signs in preseason, but it's just hard until you see them play and when they actually put install the game plan and how they use if they're gonna use Ritter at all or is this gonna be Mariota. So starting with the Saints, I'm gonna pick an upset here. I'm going with my boys. I think they can beat New Orleans. Uh, Landry just went down with an injury yesterday. Michael Thomas is banged up. So if they're going to beat New Orleans, this is the game to get them right here, right off the top. Uh, then we go to Los Angeles. We're going to take that L, one and one. We go to Seattle. This is an interesting matchup. This is where this schedule, where they can do really well against some of these subpar teams with these subpar quarterbacks and actually surprise some people or just play like they're going to play. So I think they can steal one in Seattle. So two and one versus Cleveland at home. This is a tricky one. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback, but Cleveland can run the ball really well. I think it's two and two. At Tampa, two and three. I won't even dwell on that one. Uh, home against San Francisco. Another interesting matchup where Trey Lance looks to be the guy. Man, I want to pick Atlanta. I'm going to go two and four. I think they might lose that one. At Cincinnati, two and five. Home against Carolina. We always, always tight games against Carolina. I'm going to go three and five here. I think we beat Carolina. And then we have the Chargers, three and six. At Carolina, three and seven. Home against Chicago, four and seven. I think we can get the Bears. At Washington, four and eight. Home against Pittsburgh, five and eight. Uh, you have New Orleans at New Orleans, five and nine, being on the road. At Baltimore, five and ten. Home against Arizona. So this is a tricky game, too, because this is towards the end of the season. Arizona might be wrapped up. So if they're benching people, we might steal this one. So I'm going to go uh, – that's our sixth win. And then the end with Tampa Bay. So I I say we get seven wins this season. I think we go seven and ten. But there are some games in here where I think we could possibly steal and end up like nine and eight because of the quarterbacks. So it's going to be – We'll have to see what the defense looks like. If the defense shows up, I think we can get to 9-8. and eight. If they don't, I think we'll be 7-10. and 10. And now, Danny, on to the uh, breaking news here in the NBA and where Donovan Mitchell has been traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Man, what an interesting trade. So the Jazz are actually receiving uh, Larry Marketing, uh, Okai Archibaji, and Colin Sexton. And Cleveland's unprotected first-round picks in 2025, 27, and 29, as well as pick swaps in 26 and 28. It says here that Sexton will also sign a four-year, $72 million fully guaranteed deal as part of the sign-and-trade agreement. Recently did a, uh, a show here on our thoughts about the Eastern Conference and where teams are going to stand. This changes some things, in my opinion, because the Cleveland Cavaliers now has an interesting core uh, that would include the likes of Darius Garland. I mean, you got somebody at the point, Evan Mobley, mm -hmm. uh, Jared Allen. Uh, you add in Donovan Mitchell. You still have K-Love there. 
it looks good on paper. I just want to see see if they can gel and mold here. But man, this is a game changer in the Eastern Conference, in my opinion. In my opinion, I think with the way that Cleveland plays defense, especially with Jared Allen, mm-hmm. I think this is going to put Cleveland possibly in the top three. Whoa. That's how big of a difference I think this is, man. I think this is going to put Cleveland in the top three. So you're going to have the Bucks, mm-hmm. in my opinion. You're going to have Boston in there. And Boston is going to be interesting because, again, with the injury history of the president as uh, <laughs> his nickname, I just think that Cleveland, the way they play defense, I think they're going to pop in the top three. Maybe Philly in the top three, but Cleveland definitely in the top four. What say you? Jason, Utah has turned into Oklahoma City. The way they're amassing all these first-round picks. Because <sighs> uh, Oklahoma City, I think, has just as many as they do or close. They have the rebuild going. They got rid of Gobert. They got rid of Mitchell. Great trade for Cleveland. I think Sexton and Garland, with Garland, you know, emerging last season, they're just for the they're a small backcourt, and they kind of played the same position in a way. So now this puts Garland strictly at the point, puts Mitchell at the two, and it gives them some offensive punch. Sexton can score now. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I think the part Markkinen or Markkinen. He had a good season last year. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of the trade. I wish Cleveland could have kept him to support your uh, number three seed in the East. With him gone, I still think they're going to be strong. I just don't see them. I see them around the five-ish, five, six. I don't know. Still, because I, know. I think Brooklyn has something to prove unless they just implode. Philly's going to be tough. Miami's right there. So it's going to be a battle, and it's a great – it's, it's going to be great, man. That Those Eastern Conference games are going to be no joke. Danny, I, I, coming I, over. I honestly believe with this move, this puts Cleveland ahead of Miami. I really do. I think this puts Cleveland ahead of Miami. Okay. With the Brooklyn Nets. These guys don't play defense like that, man. They don't, but they're they're bigger. So they, they'll give them problems, put it like that. And that, they don't really have anybody that can stop KD. Yeah, at, I put it like this. At full strength, I would love to see Cleveland against Brooklyn, even mm-hmm. in a playoff series. Yep. At full strength, I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave us a preview last year, right? We got to see that yeah. in that playing game. So to see them go a full seven or best mm-hmm. of seven, mm-hmm. it'd be intriguing for sure. This is going to be very, very interesting. <laughs> but now, Danny, on to some college football where my beloved Florida AM Rattlers faced uh, the University of North Carolina Tar Heels uh, this past Saturday evening. And, oh, boy, and I'll just say this just to start off here. Uh, there are some things that I can and cannot comment on uh, as an alum. Uh, I will strictly comment on the actual game mm-hmm. uh, itself. And so I want to say that, first of all, kudos to 
the Rattler football team for one playing. Um, there were uh, 20 plus ineligible players um, right before the team leaving from Tallahassee uh, for the game. Uh, and it honestly caused uh, a lot of uh, shuffling around of uh, players. Uh, but again, kudos to the student athletes for not only playing in the game, but also acknowledging some of the uh, issues that they have experienced. So I am proud of these uh, student athletes. But on to the game, Danny, and I'll just say this, man. You know, I, I was just really wanting to ensure that when we scored, I have to a game at uh, the Ohio State University several years ago where we did not score. I just did not want to have that memory of not scoring come back. I have to say, man, this game was very, very close, in my opinion, until the end of the third quarter. I was thoroughly impressed with uh, Jeremy Musa, who was the starting quarterback of uh, my beloved university. And he went 28 for 38 for 279 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. And that one interception came right before halftime. Uh, and all, and I think that was something that could have had probably maybe a different play call there uh, to avoid that. Uh, but nonetheless, Danny, what an impressive showing! Uh, and where 10 receivers caught 10 plus receivers caught the ball, mm -hmm. uh, and he spread the football around. And I really love his poise in the pocket. Now, what's going to happen moving forward now that there's some film on him? Mm -hmm. uh, we'll see, but I think that's where the offensive mind of Coach Willie Simmons is going to really play a huge role uh, in in how they make the adjustments as they uh, either get blitzed or or rushed or whatever the case may be. So I'm really, really impressed with the play, the fact that they showed up, scored 24 points against a Power 5 uh, team. We were moving the ball on these cats, man. Mm -hmm. We were moving the ball on these cats, Danny. And yep. listen, I was going all over the place Saturday night, man. I was like, man, we are in this game. Yep. We can run with these cats. And so the more and more we, I got into the game, the more and more I felt that we were going to win. Mm -hmm. I called it upset. But I believe what ended up happening was with the number of ineligible players that we had, our student athletes, they just ran out of gas. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't have the reserves, if you will, yep. um, to shuffle in and out to kind of su help sustain us, if you will, for a full four quarters. But nonetheless, Danny, I'm happy with the way that we showed up. Uh, we scored 24 on a man. I am very, very interested in knowing how we're going to do in this Orange Blossom Classic that's coming up that we'll get into a little bit more later here. But what say you, Danny? Jay, this one, if anyone watched the game, it was pouring rain there. Mm -hmm. The weather conditions were horrid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Watching from uh, the comforts of my couch. But 
I thought there was a key play in that game that got North Carolina's quarterback Drake May going, and it was a scramble in the first quarter, which ended up resulting in North Carolina scoring the first touchdown. And that kind of got him going where Florida A&M was going back and forth with him. But I thought if they would have – it was a third down play too where they could have stopped – if they would have stopped him, he wasn't really doing much. And then after that, that's where he went off and he ended up throwing five touchdowns. So uh, he ended up having the game, the game of his life, you know, for that opening game. But I thought that scramble really got him going. And it's, yeah, it's tough because you just, it's one of those things where you wish you would have saw the full complement of players and you'd have got the actual um, game you wanted to see. But they did hang in there. They, they're around. And it was 35-24 at one point. And until North Carolina went off a little bit at the end to score those last few touchdowns. So very interested to see what happens this weekend as well, but we'll talk about that shortly. So let's talk about Orbis Blossom Classic, what's going to happen this Labor Day weekend on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. And, oh boy, a whole lot happening, not only in Tallahassee, but also in Jackson, Mississippi. Obviously, the news is that uh, there is a water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi. So we do send our best mm-hmm. to uh, the people uh, of Jackson, Mississippi. Know that the reserves are there to uh, help uh, with the water crisis. So um, we're hoping for clean water here in the very, very near future. But but Jackson State University uh, is traveling down to Miami for this Orange Blossom Classic against my Florida A&M Rattlers. Uh, this is going to be very interesting because last year the, I went to the game, Danny, mm-hmm. seven to six Jackson State wins. And I believe this game is going to be a little bit different. Uh, I believe we're going to have, see more than seven points on both sides of the football here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that mm-hmm. I believe that Florida AM is going to win this game. I have a feeling though that the offensive line is going to be a key for both teams. Yep. Uh quite frankly. Uh we did have an injury, uh, a couple of injuries on the line here in the first game. Uh, I believe that there's going to be more eligible players than what we had last week so i think that i'm hoping that's going to help out from our for our offensive line mm-hmm. uh having said that i believe that my florida a&m rattlers are going to win uh i think it's still going to be a close game but yeah. i think it's going to be in the high 20s what say you danny yeah this one's tough to call jay you just don't know how players are going to respond uh from the jackson state side just due to all what's going on in their environment right um, they're trying to find somewhere to practice, trying to get somewhere where they have running water, clean water. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a shame because you don't want something like this being air quotes an excuse, so to mm-hmm. speak, if some, if they fall flat. Right. Mm-hmm. But it could be one of those things too, where they come out guns blazing their hype first game of the season for them. And then you have on the FAMU side after what just happened, what we just talked about, you're curious on how they're going to respond. Because mm-hmm. these are all college kids mm-hmm. that um, have a lot going from an adversity standpoint. And you're just curious how they respond. I believe the game's on ESPN too, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. 
So I'll definitely be tuning in and looking forward to this game. It's hard to call, man. I, the way Jackson State ended last year, they they got a bad taste in their mouth. So I think, and they have some new players here. It just depends on who's playing from FAMU. So I'm going to go Jackson State, not necessarily understanding if Land's going to play. I haven't seen the official word yet from his side. So if he's not there, I think Jackson State can get him. But if he plays, then I'm going to go FAMU. And speaking of Land, right now he has a four-game suspension, but – they're still working on eligibility for him. So we'll see um, from that standpoint. Um, just as we're talking about classic, one classic near and dear to the heart is the Circle City Classic in Indianapolis, which for the first time in 37 years, uh, they will not have a football game, Danny. Uh, they will have a battle of the bands mm-hmm. and uh, basically a Greek step show or a Greek uh, competition. Uh, I'll just say this, Danny, this is uh, a travesty Uh, for someone who attended the Circle City Classic uh, in the early 90s and where the RCA Dome was the sellout Mm -hmm. uh, for this game uh, and for it to be the premier classic in the Midwest to go from that to go to absolutely nothing for from a game perspective is. Uh, in my opinion, um, this poor management. Uh, but it's a sign of the times, though, too, Danny. It's a sign of the times and where uh, I'm proud to say that the football teams are wanting more when it comes to uh, funding and more money uh, for these classics. Yeah. Uh, in particular, uh, for the classics, historically, they have been shortchanged in football programs and really the athletic departments. They've been shortchanged. And now they're speaking up. Uh, they're owning their own classics. Mm-hmm. Um, the pot is a little bit bigger uh, than what it has been historically. And I think that has put um, the Circle City Classic in a uh, bad position to even uh, offer up any additional money uh, for two teams, two premier teams to mm-hmm. and schools to actually come in and showcase themselves on this Circle City Classic platform. Uh, there are different platforms now, and heck, they're even hosting the games uh, at their respective universities, pulling in more revenue from their own alumni base, from their own fans. And I have to say, it's a business decision. Mm-hmm. Until the Black Expo, uh, until the Circle City Classic realizes that uh, and makes some significant changes uh, to how they deal with the Circle City Classic moving forward, it would always be uh, from here on out uh, the classic being for the bands. If it's mm-hmm. band competition, you're yeah. always going to have the likes of Miles College, Kentucky State uh, University, and Talladega. Uh, not necessarily, and this is nothing against uh, those schools, but the bigger schools. Uh, like a Florida A&M University or Jackson State or Howard or uh, some of the bigger schools that has a, a world-renowned band, you're not going to have them to actually come to the Circle City Classic any longer. Yep. So Circle City Classic, Indiana Black Expo, what you going to do? Are you still going to con- are you going to continue to have uh, these bands, um, these schools? Uh, along with a Greek step show or a Greek competition? Or are you going to eventually get back to uh, what Circle City Classic used to be, 
that's a question for the leadership. Uh, I hope they hear it. And I'm pretty certain that the fans and the residents of Indianapolis who actually attended HBCUs, I'm hoping that they start making a bigger ruckus than what they are doing right now to possibly bring back this tradition. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, they're going to have to have more funds and money to really uh, be pulled in, more sponsorships to be pulled into the Black Expo, uh, to the Circle City Classic, uh, to u- ultimately have uh, the tradition come back. What say you, Danny? Yeah, Jay, this one being down there as well. It's tough to see this happen. Attendance has been dwindling the last couple of years. You know you had COVID, obviously, but just the ambiance, the atmosphere was always hype back in the day. And like you said, things have changed and people have to t- change with the times and understand and pivot to understand what's going to keep that draw. So I think they just have to make some changes and maybe it's a change in leadership or whatever the case may be, but change has to be made in order to bring it back to the way it was back when we were growing up mm-hmm. and uh, being in that atmosphere. We'll see what they do, but it is a shame not to have a game this year. And now onto the U.S. Open, Danny, where Serena has actually uh, gone past the second round after her second round victory over a net contabit in where it went three sets, seven, six, two, six, six, two over the number two seeded Annette contabit. So Danny, this is her last hurrah Mm -hmm. in the U S open. And before she transitions or evolves from tennis Uh, and man, she is, holding the world in the palm of her hands right now, man. Uh and where everybody who loves tennis, who loves uh, uh the Williams sisters, um, uh, are actually watching uh day in and day out, night in and night out. Uh mm-hmm. tonight is double is a double team here. Um and where her and Venus are actually going to be playing again at uh 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So man, this is a great, great uh, victory for Serena. What say you, Danny? Yeah, Jay, man, it's exciting knowing this is it for her, you know, getting to see her one last time and actually putting a run together here. Uh, the match yesterday was tough, man. Mm-hmm. And they deuced a, a lot of time. But for her to uh, win that match and then get to see her with Venus tonight in her doubles match. Mm-hmm. It'll be exciting to see, and um, it's been one of those things where I can't miss it because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is the last time. It's like watching Jordan, watching you know LeBron, you know Tom Brady, and all these other greats. You and you mm-hmm. at least she you know this is it for, her. Mm-hmm. and she's coming out playing strong, man, and she has a good shot. It's just yeah. a matter of how much gas does she have in the tank. Mm-hmm. The last playing doubles and singles. Mm-hmm. So if she was just playing singles, I'm like, all right, she's good. But she has the doubles thing going on. So it's just a matter of her endurance and if she can last uh in these matches. So I'm and her odds, man, those odds are getting better in her favor. <laughs> so Vegas is watching. <laughs> so I'm hoping she does well. 
Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backportstalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backportstalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.